Hello, my name is Taylor. I'm the owner of Good Things Grocery in Lockhart and Martindale, Texas. What you are about to see is a unscripted, raw, authentic conversation with myself and several other grocery store owners in throughout the state of Texas. Um, we are getting together once a month to do an Indie Grocers Roundtable where we share our strategies, our failures, our successes, what we're learning, different vendors we're using, and just the world of independent grocery. It's a very Our goal with this series is to connect with other people going through the same thing or inspire those who are interested in starting their own independent grocery in their own town. Thank you so much for following along and I hope you enjoy this conversation with a bunch of independent grocers in Texas. Um, we started our grocery store um, as part of a COVID pivot to um, from our coffee shop. We've owned a coffee shop now for seven years in downtown Lockhart. And when the pandemic hit, we pivoted that into a miniature market um, when there were lines outside the grocery stores and everything was a mess. Um, in our town, it's very unique because we only have one HEB and a Walmart and it's a really just awful HEB. Um, and so it's really hard getting fresh things and different dietary needs uh, in Lockhart. And um, so when we started the, the kind of, you know, test run in Chaparral, our coffee shop, um, we found that it was an immediate success and definitely saved our business. Um, and then we realized that we were onto something and we're going to, you know, try out to do a full on small grocery store to support the, you know, just in between of what HEB was able to offer versus what was not available inside um, Caldwell County as a whole. Um, we started with a shop in Martindale, Texas, which is actually about 15 minutes down the road from Lockhart. Um, because that was the only space that was available and it was an affordable rent and we could just literally pop up there and had a kitchen we were ready to go um and that was a success but we still wanted to be in lockhart and so um let's see in 2022 last you know 2021 we opened up a um, a second location in lockhart um, in the downtown area that's literally right around the corner from the coffee shop um and since we've opened up the second location, um, it meant that less people were going out to the Martindale location. So one of our biggest struggles has been figuring out how to keep the Martindale location a sustainable project. Um, and it's been a lot of jerry-rigging and figuring out um, on how to keep that working. Um, so the reason that I wanted to start this, it's been something we've talked about for a long time. Um, but I had a call with uh, Stephanie of Farmhouse Delivery in Austin. And she told me that um, she has a monthly roundtable call with other people in her industry from around the nation. And they meet every month um, and just share what's going on and what's working for them and just have a resource to bounce ideas off and you know, share your struggles, um, share what's going on, what you've been good at, what you've been awful at. Um, and just um, help. And I felt like that would be really helpful for me to know what y'all are working with on a, you know, a consistent basis. And then I know it's going to be helpful for everyone. Um, so hopefully we can all grow and figure out the kinks. Um, when I sent out the survey, 
every one of us has been open for less than four years. Um, so we are all brand new at this. Um, statistically speaking, you know, once you make it to your year mark, you're doing better than about 90% of any small business that opens up. And when you make it to the five-year mark, you're in the top 1% of businesses that are being successful. So it's a really big deal that we've even all made it this far. And now the challenges are, you know, all the loan money is out. We don't have any loan access. We don't have any freebies from the government. Um, so it's really just figuring out, okay, well, how do we actually make this sustainable and how do we scale um, and what does scaling even look like when you're working with such tiny spaces? Um, all of our spaces are less than 2000 square feet. And we're even dealing with some um, even tinier grocery stores um, that have less than 200 SKUs. Um, so here's Sam. There he is. Welcome. <laughs> hey, Sam. Can you hear us? Hang on one second. Okay, there we go. Connected. Cool. You're uh, you're joining the hen house, all of uh, <laughs> mostly women at this point. So. Well, hi. I'll get Sam on here soon enough. Perfect. Yeah, Sam. Hello to us, Samuel. Where is everybody? All right, cool. Well, let's give introduction. So, Sam, I just gave kind of my introduction, where I'm at, what kind of brought me into this whole zone of the grocery world, and what my goals are as far as wanting to scale this business, understand how to run this in a sustainable way, and um, why I'm excited to, um, you know, just have a roundtable where we can all chat and learn from one another. Um, uh, I would love if you want to go next, that's totally fine, or Jennifer, Chelsea. If one of y'all want to go next um, and share share with us kind of where y'all are at and what you're doing. I'm, well, I'm go ahead. Here first, I just want this is my laptop. Oh, so, oh <laughs> love that. And it, has, it has been that way for like a year and a half. So anyway, I'm always channeling you, Tara. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I'll, I'll go last. I don't want to jump the line here. Cool. Jennifer, Chelsea, why don't you guys take it away? Um, okay, I'm happy to oh, go. Wait, there's, go ahead, go ahead. You're Chelsea? Sure? Yes. Okay, yeah, I see. Okay. Um, I, I just want to preface by saying I'm on, I'm at the beach with my family, so I'm, I won't be able to stay on too long, but um, my amazing, beautiful partner down here, Kaz, uh, she's at the market too, so I don't know if she'll get interrupted, but um, we, uh, Kaz and I, we have opened our store in, on October 3rd last year. Um, we are in Wimberley, Texas. I don't know if everyone knows where we are, who we are. Um, so we're in Wimberley. We're at the junction of uh, 12 and 32. We, um, we can well, people think we're duties of technology. Yeah. Chelsea, you froze. I'm not sure if you can hear us. Oh, I can. Okay. Uh, can you hear? It's kind of going in and out. Uh, it's still frozen. Chelsea, if you want to try just uh, removing the video and just doing audio, let's see if that helps okay. with um, the bandwidth. Oh, can you hear me now? Yes. Oh. Uh, 
cut out again. Kaz, maybe you have better internet connection than I'm, Chelsea. I'm, I might. Um, so Chelsea and I run a small market in Wimberley, Texas. Um, like she was saying, Wimberley is a small town um, in Hayes County that is near, um, in between, kind of sits between Austin and San Antonio. Um, we are a, a natural grocer. We try to support uh, local farmers and ranchers within Texas. Um, all of our meat that we have do come locally, except for a few items like elk and venison that we do get in um, from out of state. We uh, have partnered with a lot of um, growers within within Wimberland. So our focus is really to stay local. Um, we try to offer also those some center aisle items that you might find um, or have to drive to let's say Whole Foods or a central market um, to to find just to offer residents a way to save a trip from the city. Um, we're, we have a prepared food line as well that we do. So we focus on food as medicine. Um, so we use, we try to use that local produce and, and again, those meats to prepare, um, for, you know, prepared foods, whether they be family meals that people can take home and reheat or lunch items. Um, so that's kind of what we do. Uh, we sit with the same struggles that you've mentioned, Taylor, um, you know, again, how to, to make it a viable business. Um, and then one that has potential for growth. Um, and then also I would say just finding employees, I think is another area um, that, that we would, you know, we're interested in, so. Yeah, marketing too. Can you guys hear me now? Yes. Okay. Ah, yes. I do have a movie going for the kids, but um, I wanted to add to, as far as marketing goes, we have a lot of people that come in and have never heard of us, but they live in Wimberley. Um, so I think yeah. that because we've never had a business like this before, um, we didn't really know, we don't know, really know how to reach people other than social media. Mm -hmm. um, so that's been a struggle for us as well. People coming in and going, I, I am a Wimberley native and I've never even heard of you guys. Um, so I think that's been a struggle for us is, uh, really just getting more foot traffic, um, people that have never heard of us. We want to reach them. We want to, we want to get to as many people as we can. Um, we have a lot of loyal customers right now that come in. Um, we can almost tell you the day and the hour. Um, so that's great. But again, the marketing thing, we could, we could really use some guidance. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Um, Sam, why don't you go next? Yeah, Sam uh, Newman. Hey guys, sorry I uh, stepped away for a second. Today's, today's gotten a little hectic, but this is like the most exciting thing that's happening all day. Um, I'm Sam, I've got a Little Red Box grocery in Houston. Um, we're in the East End in Houston. Uh, I am in our, our neighbors. We're in, we're in like a 2,400 square foot space that we occupy 650 feet of. Our next door neighbors were a bakery cafe which converted to an Italian food restaurant, which has converted now to an empty shell. So, um, you know, losing foot traffic that way, but we've, we've clawed our way back. Um, so we're in a, you know, we're in, we're in a, a developing part of Houston, if you will. I think most of you guys are in central Texas. 
um, this is East Austin 20 years ago, right? You'd bet, you'd bet the farm that this is going to be a, the, the next big place. It's a historic neighborhood. It's, it's, it's got great housing stock. It's got good families. Um, it's just low income. And so, um, and so we're kind of trying to straddle that line between how do we, how do we carry, you know, board milk and Cheerios at a reasonable value while also offering some good locally made items and good meats and cheeses and things that are going to bring in some of the newcomers. Um, so yeah, we, we just turned one, we're like one year and three weeks old. Um, every day is a, an up and down. I feel like when I filled out that form, one of the things that I said I want to get out of this is just some high quality group therapy. Uh, so excited to, to meet you guys and, um, and we'll, I think, I think really jam together, but, um, but great to know you. Did I answer all the questions? Was there like a, what are we really struggling with? Well, what got you into? Um... Oh, grocery. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so my um, so my background uh, professionally, I, I come from restaurant people in Austin. Um, my great grandparents had restaurants. My grandparents had restaurants. So I've kind of always had food in the family business. But I um I I went to work for HEB after grad school, uh, and I was on the research team. And my my primary role there over the course of about eight years was understanding how food stamp shoppers uh, shop for groceries, um, how mom and dad put food on their table. And then how, you know, the, the question that we were always trying to answer is how do we make HEB the primary store of choice for low-income Texans? And, um, and got, to know, got to know the demographic really well, got to know the program really well. Uh, I left HEB in 2016, and I moved to Houston, and I ran a nonprofit here called Brighter Bites. And Brighter Bites, uh, it's a program that I, I call, it's a public health program masquerading as food distribution. We would give away about 25 pounds of fresh produce every week in low-income schools, plus nutrition education taught in the classroom. And we would, we would see like every week, moms and dads and kids clamoring for really high quality fresh produce. And, and it was like this, you know, I'm, I'm fairly dense. The idea being that, um, you know, traditionally, if you're gonna ask a grocery, you know, why is Kroger or HEB or the C store selling the, the stuff they sell in low-income neighborhoods? The answer is always, well, we sell what our customers want. Um, but I think the other side of that is maybe maybe customers buy it because that's all you offer. And so it was like, there's demand everywhere. The supply doesn't exist everywhere. Um, I think big grocery as we know it has given us a lot of advantages, but it's also left a lot of people out. And so we're trying this thing, which we're all kind of trying in our own way. It's like small format, very community focused, very much embedded and like knowing the customer. Chelsea, I think it was you that was just talking about like, you know the hour certain customers come in. Like the reason I was late for this call is because one of our regulars was here for the third time today, you know, and it's just like, yeah, I want to talk. Um, and so you, we all deal with it. I think that's the beauty of the work we do. Um, but, but that's why I think we deserve to win. I mean, the collective, we, we're never gonna win on having the most things. We're never gonna win on having the lowest price, but I think we will win on having a good level of customer intimacy that no one can match. Um, and so I, I, I hope we can all kind of dive in on how we're, how we're leveraging the handful of strengths we have. We don't have a lot of them, but we do have some. And so it's like, how do we lean into those? Um, you'd mentioned, I think, building awareness. You know, we get the same thing, people coming in from three blocks away. They're like, I didn't know you were here. And it's, you know, it's true. It's like, I mean, how many of us leave our houses and take a left instead of a right? And you'll never see what's going on a block away if you never go to the right. And so we have some tactics that have helped. I'm happy to offer, offer some ideas, but I, I really want to just learn um, learn what's working. I think we'll get better. Sorry, I talk so much. I can talk. Oh, that's great. I think we all probably can. <laughs> and also, Maddie, I see your your shirt. Are you in San Antonio? I'm not in San Antonio right now. 
Um, so do you know do you know the little deaf people? Yeah, yeah, I know Chad and Chad, a lot of Chad's an old mate. Yeah, that's <laughs> rad. Yeah, I, I have a couple of those myself. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, what's amazing is that we're all in different parts of the state, but our community is so small. You know, like we all know each other. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Maddie, why don't you go next? You want to tell us what you do? Yeah, sounds good. I've got a sorry, a lot going on, honestly. But um, a grocery store in San Marcos, we focus on like the butchering aspect more than anything else. Uh, all of the meats are local, almost all of them, like 99% uh, coming from Heartbrand and 44 Farms. Um, and then Peaceful Pork, which is our you know smallest vendor. We really love working with them. Um, we get the pigs in whole and we just get the beef in sections because we don't really have you know the facilities to break down a whole cow. Uh, we recently added um, a grocery concept. I mean, I guess maybe it's been like a year now. So we've got aisles and we've got some natural groceries and we're only um, using UNFI. We don't have any other vendors for that. Um, that part of the business has not been very popular. Uh, you know, people mainly just like want chips and snacks. And like, I, I just don't really know if because we advertised ourselves as a butcher shop early on, if people just like think of us as the meat people. Um so it'd be nice if they thought of us as more of a one-stop shop. I mean, we have tons of produce, um, all of which comes from farm to table out of Austin, Texas. They deliver to us and we get our um, charcuterie from Salumeria. We've got a close relationship with Anthony. And then all of our cheese comes from Antonelli's and all of our wine comes from Pangea for the most part. I mean, we have a few different wine distributors, but um, it's a low intervention program. Um, and then we have some beer vendors as well. I don't know if y'all can hear that, but it's driving me crazy. Just one second. Um, we, you know, we're a lot busier at the beginning than we ever, ever thought we would be. Um, it's definitely tapered down in the past year. Um, uh, we, we had some of our own struggles with our landlord and a sewage septic situation that, um, convinced the whole town that we were closed for a second. So I think that that definitely has a part in why things have been a little bit slower lately. Um, but generally speaking, we, we just really need to, to up sales, you know, groceries, grocery stores are a volume game. And, um, we, we need, I think we could definitely be doing a lot more sales out of that space. And just like the other two of you just said, there's a bunch of people in this town that don't know that we're there. Every time I'm out and about, they're like, Oh, what do you do? I'm like, Oh, we got a little grocery store. And they're like, Oh, I haven't heard of it. And granted, you know, a lot of the people in this town are students and we might be like out of their price range, but um, there's just a ton of people that would shop at the store that don't even know about us. So marketing is one of the things that I put on my, um, that form that we filled out as far as margins and marketing are things that I'm most interested in. And of course, connecting with all you guys. I mean, I just, yeah. And Brooke's here too. She's my general manager. I, I should say right now I'm running a food hall stall at the Pearl in San Antonio. Um, and that's where I spend most of my time. But Brooke's been running the butcher shop. So she, um, it's been like a couple months now. So she'll, she'll probably have some things to pitch in. I mean, she's there on the day to day. I think you kind of pretty much crushed what we're doing and kind of what we want to improve on. Sure. <laughs> that's my cat. Can you hear that? Cool. All right, Jennifer, why don't you go next? Hi, I'm Jennifer. I'm up here in Paris, Texas, so I'm kind of outside of the area. Um, 
my husband is a baker and 17 years ago we moved back to my hometown which is Paris and opened a bakery and during the pandemic we did the same pivot toward um we packaged you know we make everything that we sell so so we would start we packaged our pimento cheese we packaged our hummus our crackers our granola and that went really well and so we thought well maybe there's something here because we are in sort of like a food desert we're on the end of everybody's chain like the we only have a kroger and a brookshire's and they're both terrible um but what we do have and it was hard won but over the last five years or so our farmer's market has finally started like it finally we finally got the people the like the old timers to come in and actually sell not from the back of their pickups but in, at the farmer at a central facility which is downtown right down the street from the bakery and we've always used their produce and we've been able to make relationships with the farmers and use it in the bakery but we also um i thought well i could maybe extend their selling power in a little corner grocery in downtown which is um also right down from the bakery so we sell all of the bakery stuff we do some grab and go items which are probably the most popular everybody wants to just grab something and eat it right there um so we have like our chicken salad and stuff like that that they can they can eat but all of the meat is local from the farmers market um it's all grass fed local meat we have chickens pork that's all local um we have dairy i'm selling um local dairy which is great um i have to drive to a dairy to get low temp pasteurized um, to sell direct, but we have raw milk that we sell um, from pre-order. Those are complicated laws, I'm told, but um, we just do a pre-order and we seem to be okay so far. Um, we also fill in because we are, we're two hours Northeast of Dallas. So the, the closest Whole Foods is, you know, at minimum an hour and a half away. So there, people will drive. We have a small section of we we're a very low income town but we do have a small section of people who will drive to dallas for lunch you know so they they'll always stop at whole foods or central market so we were hoping to kind of capture a lot of that so we have specialty items that you can't find anywhere else like spices that they just don't carry at anywhere else in town and that part has gone really well but we also introduced um we have wine and beer which i feel like some days keeps us afloat you know like we have um, the only natural wine selection anywhere near here, and um, and that's been that's been fun. It's uh, one of our sort of um, hurdles is education here. You know, like people don't know. We do a lot of explaining, like what is this thing? What do I do with it? You know, they a lot of people don't cook here, so so kind of what we're dealing with is just getting the word out but also like how to shop you know almost it's like how to why this is better like yes it's going to be more expensive but you're going to get more like we're still kind of having to tell people like why this is you know a local food economy is you know kind of something to support so marketing is an issue we have a lot of word of mouth and the bakery of course helps because we've been open so long that we have a core group of you know like a customer base that we can the the um counter staff will point down the road oh we don't have, we're out of sourdough here but if you go to the grocery they still have some you know that's been that's really helped we just opened last october so this is all still an experiment to us we kind of just did it because the a building opened up and they offered it to us at a really nice uh, cheap rate um so so we took it and it's been going better than i expected but um you know staffing is 
a constant issue. The grocery, I will say, is a little easier than the bakery to find staff for. So kind of we thought, well, maybe this is something we want to double down on as opposed to being able to extend any more of our services at the bakery. We just can't, we can't, we can't make enough of, you know, to keep both the groceries stocked. We don't have enough staff. We never have enough staff. Well, the last few years, we've just not had enough staff to kind of keep everything fully stocked all the time. So I'm not sure how, what the solution to that is, but um, one of the things I was interested in that I wrote down here is I, that um, maybe Sam could talk about is uh, SNAP benefits. I've been thinking about maybe uh, trying to take, to accept those, to, to get a different clientele into the grocery. They, um, we have like the ladies who lunch type, they, you know, and, but we don't, we have a lot of people that walk by that, that will only buy groceries on a SNAP card or the benefits. Um, I think that's what it's called, but I looked into getting to accepting those payments and it seems like a pretty extensive process. <laughs> so I don't know. It's, it's, it's honestly, it's not that bad. Okay. It's not, especially if you've got some historical numbers uh -huh. and you can put down like what percentages are coming from which categories, as long as you've got, I think it's three items in, in like five or six different categories, you know, dairy and staple mm -hmm. goods and meats which we all probably do, you're fine. Um, the USDA wants uh, more stores taking SNAP, not fewer. Yeah. And, you know, whenever I started to get like concerned that maybe wouldn't we would be eligible or something, I, I went to my local Valero and I saw that, you know, any C store takes SNAP yeah. and those guys are the worst, right? I mean, it's like, there's no, I mean, the, the, the meat that, that they carry is canned meat and the vegetables that they carry are canned veg nothing wrong with those in, in, uh, in principle, but like, that's, that's what makes the store eligible. So like good meat and good bread and good dairy, you're, yeah. you're fine. Um, but yeah, USDA is good. I'm happy to talk through that some more. Um, but it's, it's a boon. I mean, it's close to 20% of our sales oh, wow. and, um, and, you know, to the extent that anyone's interested in kind of double clicking on it, there's a group out of Austin, the sustainable food center, which I'm sure we all know, um, they're the statewide administrator for Double Up Food Bucks. So our produce, if you're paying with SNAP, is half off, and which makes us the best price in town. And so that means we can source more, you know, the more expensive local stuff, which lets the new the newcomers of the neighborhood loves it, love it, and the old folks um, they love it too because all of a sudden these organic green beans from Richmond or, or whatever are like a dollar for a thing it's a, I mean it's it's a win all the way around and you know not to be this isn't um like a cynical thing but like it's a hell of a marketing yeah <laughs> you know yeah yeah um okay quick question before we dive into Sam from French Go um what POS are y'all using Jennifer and Sam Newman I use Square you do use Square and then Sam yeah, I use Clover, and the reason we use Clover is because they're the only cloud-based uh, POS that takes EBT. Yeah. If you're not, uh, you can, I mean, it's not a big deal if you don't have it, but, um, you know, when you go to a convenience store and they've got the little handheld thing, um, that's what you'll use. You'll just have to get one of those. Yeah. Um, the only problem with that is it's, it's hard to run data off that. Um, you know. Jennifer, I'm also on Square, and at my Martindale store, we accept SNAP. Um, it's a failed program for us there, but mm -hmm. um, but it pays for itself. But I, I'll, I'll figure out who I'm getting it from. It's Totil Pay, 
I'm pretty sure I'll put it in um, in the notes afterwards. Um, um, and it is the same what he's talking about a separate system um, because I use square I've got an iPad um, mm -hmm. for that particular POS and um, I'm able to have the Toteal pay app on that. So it okay. now is like more of a streamlined system. Um, okay. But I do have to accept the card on a little separate device and it's a little bit of a pain in the ass and it kind of sucks for the snap um, recipient because then they're kind of, there's not oftentimes anyone else in the store when they're, you know, using their snap benefits, but it's, um, you know, no one feels good about being on snap. It's not something right. that like is something you want to showcase. And so when you're taking up extra time in the line because they have to process your card in a different way, it's not a perfect system. Um, I, I feel like Square is working on that. And so maybe there's going to be some other solutions that come up later, but um, it's 30 bucks a month for the Toteal pay. And I think that's how I got everything through like USCA. But yeah, I'll get with Sam and we'll go, um, we'll get some show notes for you on um, how to actually set up SNAP benefits because it's, it's not that much to do. It's a little bit of paperwork in the beginning, but once it's set up, there's no renewal or anything. You just have it. Um, and... Yeah, it's good for if you're trying to just help people out too, because there are a lot of people on those benefits. And um, I'd love to learn more about how we could offer the um, the the bucks deal with um, with discounted produce. Um, I have not figured out a solution for that where we're at yet. Sustainable Food Center, like the USDA, wants more people using it. They've got a two year, they've got the two year contract um, through the state, so it's it's around for a minute. Okay. And that's all right. Um, Sam, French Co. Sam, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. I um, I just got back from uh, Chihuahua City on um, uh, looking for uh, goods, big planters. So this morning's a little hectic because I'm moving a trailer around and um, dropping stuff off. But yeah, so uh, I'm Sam Stavanoa. Um, I'm based in Marathon, Texas. So also pretty out of the way. I heard someone say like Austin 20 years ago, Austin, East Austin 20 years ago. So I guess I'm like East Austin in 1890 or something like that. <laughs> um, um, yeah, the the I bought the general store there in 2019, and it's it's been it's been there in one way or another. It's changed locations and even changed the name at one point in the late 90s. Um, but the French grocer has been there as either French's or Lucille French's or WM French General Merchandise since uh, like 1901. Um, and since I've been there, uh, obviously I showed up just in time. We lost. There we go. Yeah, that was, that was October of 19 when I came in and then by, you know, March, the world was upside down. <clears throat> but as you all know, there was a huge, huge boom in recreation. And so being um, in the small village just north of Big Bend National Park was quite a place to be like during, uh, during the pandemic. Um, so I went from like 
the verge of bankruptcy to doing pretty well, like over a course of six months, which was really, really wild. Um, we do all kinds of stuff at the store. A lot of what, a lot of what you all have mentioned, prepared foods, uh, espresso bar, lots of pantry goods. Uh, I work with three different grocery vendors, affiliated foods, UNFI, Kehi. Um, we've been buying a lot of stuff from Fair, which is, you know, kind of the dropship wholesaler uh, solution. I buy a lot of stuff direct. We don't have a lot of local producers of perishables out in the desert. Um, some of the only things I can get are like, I've got a guy who grows mushrooms in Fort Davis, some people who make honey, um, local beef I can get. Um, that's about it. And it's extremely expensive. Um, a guy growing microgreens. And that's like within a 80 mile radius, literally. So not a ton of options for true local perishables, but we do, we kind of do the best we can there. Um, I'm really glad Taylor set this up. I'm, I'm, I'm an, uh, I'm a computer engineer uh, by, by trade, by education, I guess. Did that for like 15 years, got laid off actually this February. So I was working a corporate job um, this whole time until the last few months. But uh, that's meant that a lot of what I've focused on at the store is automation. Uh, so I try to automate everything that I can and uh, have made some headway on that. That's kind of become one of my uh, focus areas, my, my personal focus areas for the project. Um, and yeah, super happy to, to meet and hear from all of you um, and get some solidarity. I would love to know how to automate anything that's automatable. <laughs> Uh, and so the grocery, technologically speaking, grocery, uh, business is 20 years behind or so, probably maybe 15 at best. Um, so it's terrible. I've put together just the most, like from an engineering standpoint, just the most terrible things imaginable to get thing to get some stuff to work. Um, but I'm interested in. I think UNFI is, I have my site set on as someone that I want to partner with because you can't really, you can't do legitimate automation that, that uh, you can trust unless you have, um, you know, APIs and your, and your, 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 your access as far as like networking and, and uh, software is concerned is not a total hack. Like I'm using a lot of browser automation. I don't know if any of you've ever seen that, but it's not really the way you want to automate things. Um, and I didn't wear my little death shirt because it, I'm in Terlingua right now and it's literally even too hot to be wearing a t-shirt. <clears throat> All right, you're absolved. <laughs> absolved. Yeah. Um, I think that's it for me for my short intro. Cool. Well, it seems like one of the biggest things that I'm he hearing on this um, first call is about marketing and about how to reach people um, and, you know, how to tell people more about what you're doing and um, why they should shop with you um, and what the experience um, is going to be for them, which is really important. I think what I'm hearing is like the reason that we're all doing what we're doing is because um, we want that human connection 
um, with good things, our core values are connecting people with people and connecting people with their food. And it sounds like that's a lot of what everyone here is passionate about as well. Um, so I'll just speak to that and then we can kind of go around and if anyone has anything to add, um, like let's, let's help each other with, um, with, you know, problem solving, at least giving some new things to tr to try. Um, I'll speak to what's been really successful for, for us. Um, I think that me and, um, you know, um, and Jennifer have a lot in common where we have a brand loyalty that's already been established for a few years with our coffee shop, um, Dang it, I forgot to place my bread order. Um, with our, I've got 20 minutes to do it, so I'll do it in just a second. I just saw an email like reminder come up. Um, golly. Okay, so we had some brand recognition to begin with since we had the coffee shop. Um, we've been open there for seven years. So when we started this whole thing, um, it's the, it was the only coffee shop in town. So everyone that came with us was a loyal supporter um, and they, we used the same account um, and set up our grocery store as a DBA under the, the coffee shop initially. So I literally transferred all those contacts that we had um, from collect that we'd collected through Square into a, a different Square account and I was able to send emails. Um, I will say that our number one driver of sales is email marketing. I sent out at least one to four emails a week. And these are the emails where I tell stories about like what we're getting in. I tell some struggles of what we've been dealing with. Um, I make it very authentic. I share events. Um, I share things that I'm very excited about. I share recipes. Um, we have a very solid email open rate where it ranges between 40 and 60% open rate. Um, that's huge for emails because most email campaigns that get sent out on national average, the statistic is like less than 2%. My customers love my emails and I hear on a daily basis how much they enjoy and look forward to the emails. So beyond social media, um, beyond word of mouth, email marketing, especially through Square, because that's the POS that I'm familiar with, email marketing has been the number one way to track and um, get sales in the door. Um, I can't say that it works well for sales. Like if I'm running a sale on something, that's just something where people come in and they see it and it's more of like a quick thing, um, but it works well with telling, sharing a story about something and getting in people's minds, sharing events and why we're doing things, big changes that are happening. Um, but those emails are incredibly important. So if it's, and the cool thing about it is it can be scheduled out too. You don't have to sit down and like write and post right then. It's something where if you're the kind of person that's a planner, you can create, all right, here's my month worth of emails or here's my week's worth of emails. Um, figure out like what kind of topics you wanna hit on different days. Like I try to do a weekly one with where we get our produce in um, and share with people what produce I'm excited about and where we're getting them. That's been a really challenging one for me because it's a lot of words that you're like just copying and like putting in there. Um, so the things that work best for me is stories that I'm telling where I'm just literally sharing my heart on things. Um, so email campaigns, if you're not doing email campaigns, your POS is probably collecting those email addresses already. And so you have access to those. Um, the second one is text message marketing as well. Um, that's a little bit more expensive. So it need to weigh the cost of that, but it does help drive sales as well. Um, I, for a while, when we first started our breakfast tacos in the morning, um, we weren't selling all of them. And so I would send out a text message saying, 
hey, I've got dollar tacos. And literally I would have 20 people come through the door looking for those dollar tacos within 20 minutes. So people were seeing my text messages. I realized that I'm the only person that's a shop owner in Lockhart that actually utilizes text messages. And so I make take advantage of that and send people, hey, here's the monthly events for thing. And then people are looking to us to, to find out what's going on. So it keeps them engaged beyond just grocery. But again, we're here for connecting for community as well. So it's really important to diversify what you're showcasing and not just keep it kind of mundane grocery food centered, but you're telling stories, you're sharing your community events, you're sharing an interesting conversation that you had, um, but those types of things. Um, another thing with social media, it can get really um, burdensome to post on social media. Um, so there was a podcast that I listened to recently that was talking about this um, and how like most people, most businesses that are posting on social media are doing two things. They're showcasing their arrivals, new items that have arrived and events, like in-person events. That's like the number two things. And I realized that's what I was doing for a long time was just posting those two types of stories. Um, she said in this podcast to, she used this, um, what's it called? Whenever it's like the words mean, like the letters mean something. Um, yes. She said, share. So story, share a um, story that happened to you, a great conversation, why you started story about an item like in a real format, more important than images, share your face on social media. Um, people want to see, I can't tell you how annoying it is sometimes to like go through someone's feed and not know who the hell are the owners on this. Um, that's a really something that people are looking to connect with the owners of um, these, these micro businesses like ours. So sharing a story, a human, take a photo with a face in it, um, either a customer's face, your face, a team member's face, but a photo with a face and it's going to get more hits than a photo of just an item. You can combine them. So you have like four different images where you've got a, an initial image is like a photo with a face. And then you go down the line and you've got other images of, um, of your actual products, but sharing that human face is going to get you more view time. Um, and then arrivals is down there as well. So live streaming arrivals, like when you get in a shipment from, say you got a shipment from fair and you're unpacking things, say you got your meat and your rancher is right there. Just put it on a fucking live stream, live stream the interaction saying, I'm so excited because we got this meat, blah, 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 and just talk about it. And then you can post that as a video that will then garner more views, but Instagram is really pushing those lives first. doesn't matter if it's a scheduled live, just pop on there. And it doesn't matter if somebody sees it or not, um, what they're going to see is later on when you share that down the road. Um, and then relevant things. So seasonal, trending, holidays, pop culture stuff that connects to your favorite customer, um, like your, your persona customer, who's like your person that's in there. Um, and then events, in-person promotions or sales. Those are the like top one, two, three, four, five, five different things that you should be posting on your social media in like a rhythm. So it's not getting boring and mundane and people are like, oh my God, they're posting about in our scenario, soup club. Like I feel like their entire social media is just soup club all the time. Um, that's fine, but that's like, you know, this level and so to take it up with more engagement and more visibility you have to take it up this level um so those are my inputs with 
how I've worked. I have not done any hard campaigns of like postcards or advertising in our local newspaper. That works for some people. It just felt like a big, um, very expensive thing to do. And I wasn't sure how I would be able to track those. So I have not done any of that. Um, that's my personal experience. I would love for someone to share things that are working for them with marketing. Can I ask, Taylor, can I ask a quick question? Who are you, what, what platform are you using for text? Uh, it's all through Square. It's all through Square, got it. Mm -hmm. We've never done that. Um, and I feel like it's a miss because like you said, it's a, it's a quick way to differentiate yourself if no one else is using it, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that that's one of those like, okay, I'm, I'm, I might get a little annoyed at the Kroger constant text message, but the local store, you know, maybe something different. Um, the other thing is you, you mentioned that, uh, that your POS is collecting emails. Is that people subscribing or is it, is it like their card is already loaded up with their email and it's just kind of grabbing it? Both. Cool. With the square up, I don't know what Clover situation is, but um, so many um, small businesses use square up that when someone puts their card in, um, a lot of times it's not for every customer because there's different privacy settings and stuff, but someone puts their card in, signs up their email address to- They've added it somewhere. Then it's yeah. added. So they'll start, they'll like, oh, I went to your coffee shop and now I'm getting emails from your grocery store. And I'm like, I hope that's okay. Feel free to unsubscribe. And they're like, no, I love them. I don't even live in town, but I love reading them. I hear that yeah. literally all the time. Hmm. Okay, that's helpful. That's really helpful. Okay. Anyone Thanks. else have anything to add that's working for them marketing-wise? We, we don't market, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just need to work on it. We haven't done it either. We do. Um, I have somebody, I'm not good at social media and um, I have somebody do it for us. Like I take the pictures, but then we just kind of talk about it and she posts them for me. So she's been talking to me also about, about sending out email campaigns, which we also have not done, but sounds like that would be something that we need to start doing immediately. It sounds like, do you have anyone subscribe? Do they click subscribe or do you have, or do they, is it just square grabbing the emails and then you can just, you know, Jennifer, go in and look at how many emails you already have collected. Okay. okay you may yeah. not have um, gone through that like section mm -hmm. square before. I was shocked at how many we already had collected without even okay. trying at all. So you already have them. Then you can change your POS. You can mm -hmm. change your, so like the screen can say, you know, subscribe to our email list. Um, and then you can also um, send them a follow-up mm -hmm. email. Would you like to be subscribed to our email address? You can put it on your receipt. Um, I don't get a ton through websites, but you can put on your website. Um, I find that like, it's better to capture the people that are already in the store. It's easier to capture those than the people that have not gone to the store before. Right. And I do think that if they put in their email address, like in a square system previously, that it saves it. So like the biggest thing I think that we collect emails is like when they want a, a receipt email to them then it automatically just saves it into like the square system as a whole. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. You just have to pay for the marketing. There's like another <laughs> monthly marketing thing you have to pay for, it's, which it's totally worth it. It's $30 uh, a month for just the emails. The text messages are more expensive because I think it's new. So I have to be really careful about how many texts I send out, but the email campaigns, the, the insights that you get from that are just, um, totally worth it. And we've seen like a, a drastic in, increase. So. And, and you do just to be clear, you, you use 
Square as the platform to send that email to, or are you using MailChimp? No, I'm using, I'm keeping it all in the same system. I'm able to track those metrics because of that. Um, so I can see a, how many people have like opened the email and then directly see what sales have been um, procured because of that. So like if someone opens my email and comes in within the next, like, I think their metric is like 72 hours or something. They're viewing that as because they saw my email and then they're attributing those sales to the fact that I sent and they read the emails. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's Taylor, really you're, a powerful tool. You're really good at putting your face on there. I, I really, I, I watch your videos because they're fun. <laughs> Not fun. I mean, a, I know you, so it's kind of cool to like, but like, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I love, I love the one, was it yesterday when you had the, you're like, this is my new friend. Like, look, check this thing out. It's it. Like, yeah, and we all have people popping in and out of here, whether it's customers or farmers or, you know, um, we, we just brought in some vegan kolaches. The first drop yesterday, like that was a big miss, not having old Nick talk, tell me about his new vegan kolaches. Um, and so like, yeah, that's just so easy to do. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I'm a pro at it. It's um, I went to this market or this um, conference for entrepreneurs. And that was one of the biggest things that they, that I took away from it was I need to put my face out there more. This is such a small community and it's so obnoxious. Um, but I, I'm just, I'm trying to treat it as I talk to these people in person every single day. They're just online. Like I'm online. They're just online as well. So just talk to them like they're in person, share with them something that you're excited about. And I'm trying to do better about just like making it feel very authentic, but it's not fucking authentic. I'm getting in front of a screen talking to my phone and it's annoying you know and i'm trying but it's not, not produced right? I mean, like i'm trying not to it's say just you talking. Like, you know? <laughs> it, it is i mean i think I, I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit um i mean i think like it it's one and done right I'm, i don't know i'm just gonna do my thing here I'm talking to a camera instead of the you know the customer um it comes across as authentic yeah it, it's because. working and i keep asking my like core customers like if it's too much, like if you're tired of seeing my face, please let me know. Cause this is kind of a new thing with me to stick my face out there. I did a lot during the pandemic because it was, everyone needed that human connection during the pandemic. And then the last like two years, I really haven't done it very much. And I've just focused on product shots and like those types of things. Um, but I just see we're not growing as fast because of that. And so I think that you know, the more loyal customers that we can have returning is really important for us to maintain you know, success, so. Okay, anything else? Do y'all have loyalty programs? Are y'all doing loyalty programs? That's another thing that Square offers where they have like these loyalty points that you can Diff, uh, set and do all this stuff. I don't love it. It's annoying to have to give um, discounts to people like because we have such small margins anyways. I try to make the loyalty program more centered around our coffee and smoothie program, which I have good margins on. So like if people spend, you know, uh, I don't know, like a hundred bucks and they get like enough to get $2 off their espresso drink, that sort of thing. Um, my customers really always love the loyalty programs. They feel like they're getting a deal and everybody wants a deal. Um, so it's good for customer rapport. Again, operating in a small town, not a lot of people are doing loyalty programs um, because it's really hard for a tiny shop to do any type of shop, whether it be retail or coffee shop or whatever. Um, and I don't know if people understand that. So I would say look into it, um, but the email marketing is way more important. Um, and cheaper, honestly. But then once you start a loyalty program, you can't take it away because people will be pissed about it. So 
um, I've got a bounce, but uh, when we had, when we turned one on May 10th, we ran just, it was random, but that morning we sent kind of out a quick, you know, uh, email and a few other, th you know, on social, like 30% off at the store all day long. Like who, who knows, like, thanks for being here. And we had, after the discount, we had our best day. Okay, cool. And before the discount, we blew it out of the water. Um, and so we're like, huh, that's interesting. We, we were a six day a week shop and just the week prior we had opened on Mondays. And so we were like, what if we did, like, let's not make this thing insane. But we looked at kind of, we wanted to bring people in on Mondays. So we're like, let's run a special every Monday. And like, so as to not tie our hands, we said, it's going to be summer only. Uh, and we'll see how it goes. And we're doing 25% off on fresh produce, grab and go items that are all pretty much expiring the next day. It's kind of how our rhythm goes. Um, and then uh, some local cold brew coffees that typically expire within the next couple of days. And so stuff we're going to move out anyway. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to throw on sale. We're going to put on Too Good to Go, which is another program you guys want to look into. Um, but yeah, so it, it's been great. It has driven traffic. Uh, the sale, you know, we're paying a little bit for the sales and the discounts, but it's not terrible, right? Mm -hmm. Because the baskets get bigger. Um, and so that's something, and, but it's a way to, it's a way to mitigate your exposure by just being, you know, like we're, we're going to do a Lord's program forever and, or whatever the case may be, or like getting people used to sales. It's like, it's just one day and it's just on a few items, but that's going to drive the basket in, in other ways. At least that's, that's what we found. Kaz, um, don't y'all, Kaz, y'all do something similar with y'all's prepared foods, right? Yes, we do. We, we offer a healthy hour to get them to move. I'm sorry, I had a, a customer, so I didn't hear fully the entire thing, but I think that's what you were asking. Is that a healthy hour is a good idea? How is that? Yeah, working? we call it. You gotta go. So it, it, it's really interesting. Um, I think that it's all depend. I think if I, if we knew about the text message marketing, it would do a whole lot better. Um, when we moved healthy hour, when we opened our store on Saturdays, um, we moved the healthy hour from Friday to Saturday to move those prepared foods. And now it really doesn't do as well. Um, and then it's again, how do we let, cause some weeks we don't have, it's not consistent, right? So some weeks we do really well at forecasting what prepared foods to make. And then come Friday, there really isn't much to offer or Friday or Saturday, there isn't much to offer at a healthy hour, right? Um, and other weeks we have an abundance. So it's like, I don't really, I think perhaps the text messaging will help drive that if we say, you know, we have four packages of family style carnitas, you know, come in and get them. Um, it might move better than, than what we have seen. Um, it's really just dependent on what's available. And I think more for us is, is letting people know and then really having the right items that they're looking for at the right time. Um, I don't know if this would work for you, but this is what works best for me for, um, for prepared foods in dealing with um, quick approaching expiration dates. Um, we put our prepared foods on, we have an expiration, set expiration dates for each thing that we've just pulled out of our ass. I have, you know, I taste things and make sure, but I haven't sent it to a lab or anything. I'm just like assuming that a hummus lasts for seven days with a, that yeah. best by date, right? Um, so on the date, two days before it goes out, we mark it down half off. Um, we don't have any set day of this is our like half off day. We did that initially um, when we didn't have enough customers coming through the store to really sell to. 
but now customers know to look for like, we have kind of a discounted row um, as it gets like later into the week that we're, you know, constantly shifting and moving. Um, but doing the markdowns of 50% off, if it's a higher priced item that has maybe like we have a lot of, but it has three days to it, I'll take $2 off and just write that on there and move it to the shelf that has like all like the discounted goods or get them before they're gone sign. Um, but that works really well for us with our breakfast tacos. Um, and Sam, I don't know if you do this, but um, what if our breakfast tacos, if we don't sell them? by put them out by nine o'clock in the morning if they're not sold by one then they all go to a dollar at first i had to text people to let them know that we had a lot now people just know to come in after one o'clock and ask for tacos and if we don't have tacos then they just move on to the sandwiches um, or they go get tacos at the local taqueria that's that's really fascinating see it's like for us i think we do less on on daily prepared moods and we do better a whole lot better on the family prepared meals the people coming in and like looking for something to heat up for dinner mm -hmm. um so that's really interesting and then we've never done 50 percent off we usually just do 20 and i wonder if we would have if we would move more um, and have less waste if if we offered a higher discount so that's it's a great annoying idea. I love that. yeah it's annoying to have to do 50 eventually you'll get your your um your margins down to try or your what am I trying to say your um your uh, what's the word um how many you're supposed to make um you know what I'm talking right about, no right? I know exactly what your you're saying about forecasting your car is down yes, you'll get your cars car. down yes. and expect all that um and you guys might look into doing I don't know how niche your thing is but you might um, look into doing like a, a, a meal subscription thing too. Um, I know that when I talked with Stephanie, she said that that was a huge part of their success was having these subscription things where you can guarantee that you're going to make even just five people sign up for a family plan um, of meals provided. And then you guarantee those five sales for family meals. And then you make 10 and then you for sure are going to sell all 10 because then your pars are correct and your loyal customers that are coming in know that they can, that they've already paid for it, that it's subscribed, they can pause and Square Up also offers that subscription thing now. So you can do a subscription model through Square Up as well. I should be a spokesperson for Square. Um, do y'all want to continue talking about some things? We've lost some people. We could put, we could talk about more things or we could um, call this a, a great meeting and then meet next month. Um, if we did want to continue, I was going to talk about some um, direct buying versus large scale and then um, talk about margins um, and just continue on. Where are you guys at? I lost, so I'm down to stay on for as long as possible. I don't, sounds like everyone's pretty busy. I'm good today. Okay. If, if it's around, yeah. I can, I mean, I can. Yeah, I'm. Okay. Continue. Like I did, I, um, but otherwise this has been such a wealth of knowledge. I've taken so many notes, so. I know, me so much <laughs> organizing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this, is, this is, I mean, what a wonderful idea, anyway. Cool. Well, my goal with this is to um, collect all of this, just chatting through things. Um, my eventual goal is to put out a PDF on how to start a small grocery um, so that other people could learn what we've all had to do a bunch of trial and error to learn. Because um, I think 
when I was looking at trying to scale my business, um, everyone kept saying like, you know, you need to open more brick and mortars. And I'm like, I don't have any capacity to open up brick and mortars. And I also don't want to take out a bunch more loan money to do that. Um, but I would love to empower other people to open up their own brick and mortars and to do this um, and maybe save them some headache along the way. Um, so, and I'd also like to put all this, this will go on YouTube. Um, and then I want to um, start collecting some interviews with y'all personally and other independent grocers personally and develop a podcast. Um, it's a very niche industry, you know, tiny groceries, but honestly, there's, you know, hundreds across the nation. Um, and so there's, I feel like there's a lot of interest. And I think what we're doing is really powerful um, because, you know, you go into a supermarket and it's, um, it's just obnoxious to me, honestly. It's exciting to see lots of different types of food, but it's not um, a, a, a you know, human contact that I'm looking for. Um, so, and I feel like that's that a lot of people can speak to that as well. Um, so yeah, we'll just continue um, maybe next call, but maybe I'll leave like the next couple of things just really quick in the next like, you know, 15 minutes or so. Um, talk about just to make sure that you guys are aware of, um, I know that a lot of you are using UNFI and some KHA and um, some FAIR. Um, I also wanna make sure that all of you know about um, buying direct from two of my best sellers, um, Simple Mills for the gluten-free crackers and gluten-free um, uh, cookies and stuff. Those are the two, like um, the crackers sell like crazy. And then the cookies are a good seller too. I don't mess with their mixes. Nobody buys those. I don't know why, but they just don't. Um, but direct from them is cheaper and they ship to you. So Jennifer, you can even get that where you're at. Sam, mm -hmm. you can get that where you're at, um, but it's shipped FedEx or UPS. And it's free shipping. It normally takes about a week to two weeks as a turnaround. So you have to have kind of prepare in advance and you have to pay up front. So there's no like net 30 or anything like that. Um, and then Siete, the, um, the brand of um, healthy chips, tortilla chips and, um, and um, the wedding cookies and some of their canned things, their chips do great. So ordering direct from Siete is a much better way to work with them. Um, their reps are really helpful too. So working with their direct reps, um, once you're kind of in their system and are ordering from them, they see that, then the reps typically reach out, but they've been super supportive. They'll even give us some free fills from UNFI um, and are really, really helpful. Um, have y'all all been approached by any reps that represent different natural food brands um, that give you free fills at all? Have, have, have y'all experienced that yet? Mm -mm. Okay. No. So that's something I would love to connect y'all with because there are some reps um, that work with like bigger brands or smaller brands too, but they don't work with Unify or Hey or Fair. They just work with the brand. And so they can set up a free fill or a discounted like 50% off fill um, to see how it will do. And just to give you free you know, stuff to put on your shelves. Um, I would say like being cautious with that is really good um, because you don't want to get, I've made the mistake of getting way too much of stuff that just sits and it doesn't do well so when you know when we're buying we always have to be extremely cautious with all the stuff that we bring in because it's food and it has an expiration date and some people don't want the mulling spice that i bought three cases of for <laughs> they just didn't dig it so um and then working with fair um jennifer are you working with fair 
Yes, we're yeah, we work with we do a lot. We, in fact, I was getting Siete from FAIR, but this, I'm yeah, glad to know that they do direct. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. FAIR, we've become dependent on FAIR. It feels like for because of the availability, like we can't find that anywhere else. We work with a lot distrib national distributors at the bakery a lot, and it's they won't even put stuff on the truck for us because we're so far out and nobody else wants it but one business. So it's like so we've become pretty dependent on FAIR, but the prices just keep getting worse as far as shipping. Yeah, I'm. I was so stoked about Fair when it first yeah. came out, and I built Same. a lot of inventory around them for retail and for kitchen goods and a bunch of different stuff. Um, mm -hmm. But they they've they've messed up because yeah. all the shipping is insane now, and it like you can't make a good margin on anything from Fair now um, unless it's part of the Fair Insider and you're getting free shipping, which is now few and far between. So exactly. um, I feel like they had lofty goals and have just suffered. And I have not found a good substitute for that. The shipping charges are just way too high. Um, for example, like we were getting good crisp uh, and I saw that I could get good crisp from fair rather than UNFI at a cheaper rate, but then the shipping ended up being way more. And I actually um, talked to a rep um, and good crisp is working on getting direct um, shipping. So I'll keep you updated if he gets back in touch with me, um, but that's a top seller for us too. Um, but I just keep on going direct as much as I can. And um, oftentimes that's the better deal, uh, mm -hmm. but not everyone offers direct. And so I think like, this is one of the reasons why I'd like to have a collective of independent grocery, you know, people in Texas at least is to have these like, yo, like we love your stuff. We would love to carry it, but UNFI sells it for what it could buy it for at Whole Foods, you know, yeah. like where's the fairness in that? Yeah. Um, yeah. So just giving us more power and buying power would be great. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. but doing so what does that look like, Taylor? Are we going to have like a warehouse where we, and then somebody that distributes it to our different businesses? I'm not opposed to it. Honestly, Stephanie with Farmhouse Delivery has offered something like that. She just doesn't have the capability to get it to us from, she's got the buying power. She's got the warehouse space. She gets the produce deals from California. So she's open to it. Maybe if we like put together like our own delivery routes or something. What was that? Oh, I thought it wasn't me. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just throwing ideas out to see what could potentially grow in. I don't think it's anytime soon that something like that could happen. But, um, you know, I looked into um, this, uh, this, um, what's it called? It's called infra. Have y'all heard of that? No. Infra is, um, it is a, let me look it up. It is a um, grocery store collective oh my god infra independent natural food retailers association so um this is i'll just share this in the thing it's something i've looked into becoming a part of but it's a it's expensive and it's a bitch to join oh man did i go wobbly yeah okay hold on oh hang on Um, I just shared it in in the um, in the chat. Um, Naturalfoodretailers.com. Um, it's it's really for like Fresh Plus in Austin is a part of this. Uh, Wheatsville is a part of this. It gives buying power um, through contracts. Like you're not buying directly from Infra. You're a part of their um, retailer association. Um, but it's like 
it takes a long time to become a part of it, like over a year to become like a member of it. And then it's like $1,300 um, a year, which is just a lot just to like, and they give you like signage. Like you can tell once you know, like what their signage looks like, you can tell when you walk into an infra partner um, retailer based on the types of signage that they have. So they provide you with a lot, but it's more for like larger, like 10,000 square feet or more um, shops. I don't know a lot of shops that I've seen that are a part of it that are our size. So less than 2000 square feet. So I feel like there's like a market gap there where it's like, there are more independent, tiny grocers starting up. And um, how do we figure out how to do this in a sustainable way where we can get I feel like it's important for us to get the same kind of price deals that Whole Foods, we're not selling in volume, but what we're doing is creating like loyalty brand um, representing, you know, like the brands that we carry, we 100% stand behind and we're taking time with the customers that Whole Foods is not taking time with. So mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just something that like, I would love to see, um, but it's a, it's a dream as of now, but who knows what could happen um, if we all work together on something. Um, I've got a few more minutes. So um, I was curious, like we talked to several people have mentioned margins. Um, what kind of margins are y'all, Maddie, I've talked with you about this before, um, but what kind of, and Sam, I talked with you about the two, but um, Kaz and, and Jennifer, what kind of margins are y'all trying to work with for your different categories? Well, we're kind of all over the place. I'm not good at tracking it. We just kind of, I just sort of set what I think that people will pay, you know, so especially in the wine department, you know, I have a good wine rep that comes out of Tyler and she, she kind of says here, you can sell it, you know, this is a bottle, you know, so I, I, I kind of tend to make a little, you know, set the margins a little higher for the wine so that I can make the, but the farmers, like they can have more. Well, with our farmers, I do consignment. I don't know how y'all are doing that too, but like I don't buy their product outright. I just, um, this was something that I just, so that we could start with low overhead. I was like, you bring it in and then we'll, um, it's consignment. So I just, I, let, I run a, everybody has a category on Square, every farmer, and then I run a report every month and just take 15% off as my fee. And then I write them checks basically. Um, and that works for a lot of the older guys. They're like, that's great. But so the margin there is not very, you know, that's 15% and I'm doing a kind of a lot of work, you know, but at the same time, I take more, I, I just sort of mark the wine up more to kind of carry it over. I don't think that's a very, you know, it's a sort of haphazard system, but, you know, I'm not sure what anybody else is. And like with, with FAIR, they kind of, I feel duped a little bit because, a lot of I feel like I was getting much better shipping and then all of a sudden I was like wait why is this so expensive so I was like losing money on several products you know so the margin was terrible that you know with some of those because they, they're shipping I hadn't noticed and then I was losing tons of money on the shipping basically so now I got to refigure all of all the prices basically same um, just to, to comment on fair Chelsea and Chelsea isn't on so I can't speak to this exactly because she she does handle the ordering for them Mm -hmm. Um, but she, we were ordering sparkling botanicals and yeah. the, and fond and some other things from them. And the sparkling botanicals in particular came to us with a huge shipping fee when we hadn't been paying shipping, um, or it was a nominal shipping fee before. Um, so it's kind of the same thing. We got an order. We were like, oh my goodness, now we have to really raise the price in order to cover the cost. And, um, 
subsequently Chelsea paid for some type of monthly membership with them. And that monthly membership now gets us a reduced shipping rate. So we can continue to carry that product, for example. Um, and we just, we've paid now this like monthly membership fee. But yeah. again, I can't speak to that. So I, I could ask her to send an email. Yeah, um, that's called the, um, you're, you're a fair insider, is what it's called. It's $15 a month. And that works with a lot of brands where they, if they're a fair insider brand, then they have a shipping arrangement with fair. I'm wondering if they have it like in a warehouse where it's actually shipped out by fair. I'm not sure how it works. Um, and so are you ordering Rishi Sparking Botanicals? Is that the brand that you're ordering? Yes. And it's actually, it's pretty popular. Yeah, no, ours, we sell those. They do really good. I was getting them through FAIR. Um, there's a company called, that's in your area, should come to you. Um, I doubt with you, Jennifer, but Maddie will go to you called Waterfall Gourmet Beverages. Um, I'll type it here. Um, um, they deliver those. Um, it's, a, it's a coffee shop um, company, basically, that delivers like um, paper cups, napkins, um, paper towels, um, uh, just, you know, things you need for a coffee shop. And a lot of that is beverages and some dairy-free milks as well. Um, their pricing on everything is not, it's not across the board better, but um, specifically for Rishi, it is the best. Um, and they also have the, um, the, I know I got you from UNFI, but yeah, the Rishi Botanicals, you might look into that for them. They also have main root soda um, from that particular vendor as well. Um, but yeah, the fair insider thing works with a lot of stuff, but it's still sometimes more expensive on fair because it's kind of like calculated in that whole thing sometimes. Um, uh, for, I can speak to our margins. Um, I've talked to Maddie about this, um, quite a bit and I've talked with Sam about this a little bit. Um, Jennifer, when you're doing natural wines and you're the only one in your area doing natural wines, you can definitely do a higher margin than you would feel comfortable with and even higher than your rep would say. Um, I do a one point um, margin. I do a 1.7. Um, so I take like my wholesale price and multiply it by 1.7 to, um, to get my margin there. Um, for beer, that does not work. For beer, I have found that it has to be cheap. So um, I only add um, about $2 to 250 um, on top of the um, wholesale cost. So that's annoying. I don't like selling beer because of that. So I really try to focus on the wine. Um, retail beverages, are, are, our top categories are prepared foods and retail beverages. <laughs> so, so many stupid retail beverages that are so expensive. Um, but I do almost a 100% um, markup on it. So I'll take that retail cost and almost double it. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes a little bit more. Um, our top seller is Cocoa Joy, randomly. Um, mm -hmm. It's the best coconut water. I get it from, um, from Austin Provisions, um, who's a Boar's Head company. Um, I'm sure there's other places to get it, but that is consistently our best uh, top seller, which is ridiculous. Olipop also, um, I just got a direct um, uh, account, buying account with Olipop. And um, I think it's going to be cheaper, but I'm still out. I don't know for sure. Um, but currently UNFI still has the cheapest um, for Olipop, but I sell a lot of Olipops as well. Um, I was about to ask you, you've been getting from UNFI. Did you mention, 
What was that? I didn't mean to interrupt. I, I was going to say it broke up for a minute, so I thought that you were done. Um, I just wondered, what was the one you mentioned before, Olipop? I didn't hear it. Yeah, Olipop, I'm still getting from UNFI, but I just set up an account. They do have a direct buy program. Um, when I initially went over their website with the direct buy, it was like $29 a case, which is insane. It's $21 a case from UNFI. But then the rep wrote me back and said that that's maybe I'm not logged into the right thing because it should only be $20 a case, which would be great. Um, no, I was, I was mentioning the thing before Olipop, the brand before I didn't hear that one. Um, Coco Joy. Oh, Coco Joy. I haven't heard of that. Okay. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard of it either. And it's, um, we get it through our Boar's Head company, which is like our deli meats um, and salamis and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I don't know where you'd get it in y'all's markets. Maddie, you could definitely get it. Um, but yeah, um, but Coco Joy is our best seller. I don't know what it is about that coconut water, but it's, it's literally the best. But um, capitalizing on retail beverages and keeping those margins really high. I mean, I'm charging $4 for an Olipop, um, which feels insane to me, but people are buying it and I have a good margin on it and I'm selling a lot of it. So I kind of have to keep doing that. I'm the only place to get it in Lockhart. So it's like, if they want it, <laughs> they will yeah. pay for it sometimes. So. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. I think ours is just under $3 or right at $3 and people buy it it like crazy so we'll probably right, what's taylor's at four four dollars mine's at four two um yeah well we're up in that price noted yeah <laughs> yeah um and someone only one person has ever given me shit about that um and i was like you know what I, it's expensive to get in here i have to sell it for this price this is what other like i know tiny grocer in on south congress in austin i know that they're selling it for four dollars as well so it's not unheard of this gotcha Awesome. I have had That's someone good to know. ask me about it that they because they Kroger started carrying it here and they, it's of course much cheaper but I find that it's kind of a good um it's a good talking point because they're like why is it so much more expensive here I'm like well I cannot buy it for what Kroger is selling it for to you so it's just exactly. it, it, if you want the convenience of it being here while you're in here it's just going to cost more you know or you yeah. can wait and get it at Kroger yeah. so exactly um, I mean we buy it at almost two dollars a can so yeah, yeah. <laughs> um uh great american ap um there's a great book that i read whenever i was like trying to do research and learn more about the grocery industry in america in particular it's called um the great american ap um it is a history of how the supermarket came to be in america um it is fascinating um the the damage that supermarkets have done to local um, business owners, local ranchers, local farmers. Um, and it's still happening. A lot of the practices that they started back in like the 50s and 60s are still happening um, where, you know, big supermarkets will sell things at a loss um, just so they can get people in the store, um, which puts the farmers at a disadvantage and the makers at a disadvantage because then they have to sell it, you know, for just keep on going down um, and it's, it's not good. It's not wholesome practices. And that's one of the things that I try to convey to my customers when I am educating them on why our prices are so expensive. Um, my husband hates how expensive all of our prices are. I hate how expensive everything is, but we also are in a crazy time in America where the dollar is just not worth anything and it's hard getting things. And, you know, the inflation just keeps going up and it's so obnoxious. Um, 
So, you know, it's just, if people want to be a part of what we're doing, then they will, they will support where they can. Um, and thankfully there are enough people in general that are still have, you know, the pocketbooks and they value that connection with their food that um, they are willing to make those sacrifices so that they can do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, let me see. Um, finding employees. This is something that someone had brought up um, and maybe we'll let this be the last topic that we talk about. Um, there is, we have had great success with, with getting employees, but it's a retail business. And so um, retail stuff in general, you're always going to have turnover, um, which is obnoxious. Um, so spending less time training people is really helpful. Um, recently with my new hires, I have started asking them to take a grit test. Um, and you should take this too. because it's, it's, I read a book called um, called Grit. And I highly recommend reading this book. It's about Angela Duckworth. I'll send you a link to it on the, in the notes really quick. Um, and this test, she said in this book that she started sending, oh no. Okay. That she has taken this grit test to many campuses and many job, like big corporations where they give out this grit scale. Um, and people that rate high on the grit scale are more likely to um, more likely to stick with something and continue on and be longer lasting employees. Um, it's kind of annoying giving this test to people, but honestly, like it's so expensive to train and um, hire and do all this stuff. Like it's, it's a lot. So getting quality employees that last for longer is super, super important. Um, I am not an expert at hiring. When I'm hiring, I'm looking for people that are energetic, that will look you in the eye, um, that are quick moving, um, that are able to keep up with the work pace. Cause there's a lot of stuff that goes on at a grocery store, um, even of our size and, um, and are passionate about food. So that's like core. Um, I have found in general, college students are great because of their flexibility with um, a lot of online classes. And so we do hire a lot of college students. I will never mess with um, teenagers again until I really have a program that can handle them because you, they do not understand and I cannot get them to show up when they need to show up. Um, so it's a waste of my time, honestly. Um, we're passionate about teenagers and would love to see them fit in, but it's not something that we can, we just don't have the money to support them. <laughs> Um, but I also believe in paying fair wages. Me and Maddie have talked about this. Um, and so we start, and I've tried to pay less, but it just doesn't work. We start at $15 an hour with the understanding that there's, unless you're becoming a manager, you're not going to be getting a raise. It is what it is. Um, mm -hmm. and I can guarantee hopefully that I'm going to keep my, you know, employees for at least a year, which is honestly in a small retail environment is as good as I can hope for. Um, I feel like in my experience, there's been some that have been others, but unless there's like a movement up, like, why would you stay at a $15 job for longer right. than a year or two? Yeah. Um, so like while you're completing college is like ideal. Um, so $15 an hour is where we start. And then we also allow tips. I know that's a controversial subject around America where everyone's like, why am I tipping for an oil change? And why am I tipping, you know, this robot that took my order and stuff? Um, not, I, I don't ask for tips for people, but people have asked to tip us, um, tip my employees. 
I think the people that get it, that understand how challenging it is to run a micro business of our scale, understand that um, we are we don't offer benefits like I have a discount in the store. I give them free swag and free food when I can. Um, but their benefit is that they're working for a mom and pop shop and they're a part of this like tiny revolution. And that is, is a lot for some people, you know? Um, so um, the tips in our scenario for, for the Lockhart store in particular, add about four to $5 an hour onto their, um, their paychecks. And I pay those out right now in cash. This is not tax advice, um, <laughs> but <laughs> that's what we do. So it's like, they're making good money. Um, so and that's on top of their base rate of 15, the tips. Yes. And I just tip share that across the board. I don't take any tips. Um, so it all goes to them. Um, and so it's based on how many hours they've worked. And so if you work 20 hours, like I take that total number of tips that was collected both in cash and on the POS. And I divide that into how many hours have been worked, which gives me my X hours, you know, per employee. And then if you work 16 hours, you get however many tips were that across the board, even for my managers. Um, so I tip, everyone gets tipped out um, based on how many hours they've worked um, and in cash too. So it's not. So your managers aren't on salary? They're not, I can't afford salary. I can barely make payroll as it is. Right. <laughs> Love that. Um, do y'all have the, the Square, like the automatic tip out, um, like the option on Square, the app? No, because I, I have to schedule myself into this the the thing and so um i it's on there but i tell them to disregard that and i have to go back and do it manually um i wish i could figure out a better way but because i schedule myself it wants to also tip me out um even when i try to not click clock in so i don't know how to make that work but i have to I, it just makes logical sense for me to put myself on the schedule um when i need to work so that has not worked out for me yet i've heard that um what else but yeah finding employees is a bitch for sure um i try not to advertise whenever i'm hiring um employees on social media because then you just get a deluge of people um i find that putting signs out in the store telling your current employees that you are hiring um is better because it's like people that are already attracted to what you're doing you want people that have passion and aren't just looking for a job um so that's my two cents with with hiring anyone else want to add anything i mean I, yeah i would completely agree we've had like friends of friends people who know about our store and then as far as posting anything to the internet um i don't go beyond instagram because uh having posted ads to facebook uh just random job ads and to gosh what are the other programs um I forget, but it's been a nightmare. And you're just like, it's creates so much work. You're seeing through all these different people. I think it really helps to have somebody who knows about the store and like to hire internally, so to speak. Yes, hiring internally is where we've always succeeded. Those people tend to last longer. They have a strong work ethic coming in. Um, do any of y'all have like an application that people fill out or do you just ask people to put together resumes? Just resumes. We yeah, yeah. Resume. yeah that's what i've done too i've wondered if i should invest in like putting together a google drive that i can just refer people to but honestly like you know we have a total of i think 20 employees all day between both shops and um 
So, you know, if I lose someone every three months, like then I'm replacing it, it just like, it feels like a lot of work just to, you know, be learning from about people word of mouth anyways. So it's like, I have not invested in doing that. We used to at the bakery and I don't remember, we, it just kind of went by the wayside. It seemed to be more trouble than it was worth really. Cause yeah, it comes down to who they, you know, that we know of them through other employees and that kind of thing, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. um, before we jump off, is there anything else that um, we could cover for this first meeting um, that you're just dying to ask or anything like that? Uh, I have to share, you go first. Oh, I was wondering if anyone had tried delivery of groceries. Beth from Tiny Grocer has, I mean, she's got this whole program going and she's a delivery vehicle. I know it was a long time coming for her, so she might be a resource for you. Okay. I tried reaching out to her. Do you, do you have good contact with her? I'd love her insights, even if she was like a guest panelist or something. She's got a lot of experience. Yeah. Did you reach out to her and she didn't get back to you? Correct. Okay. Yeah. I'll talk to her. I mean, I think that she would get on here and she would have a lot to say. Awesome. I, we could learn a lot from her because I know she has 25 plus experience in Whole Foods. Um, so even if she was like a guest panelist, that would be so resourceful for us. Yeah, I bet we could get her on the call next month. Okay, cool. Um, and my comment was just regarding uh, employee staff communication. So, you know, we have tons of Google Sheets. We have tons of Google Docs. Um, there's still some text messaging going on. Uh, I really want to minimize that. I, I don't think, I think it's somewhat invasive and it's, you know, not always effective because it's a one-on-one -on -one communication. And sometimes we would like to include the entire team on a conversation, even if they weren't working in that moment. Um, and so me and Sam talked about this for a really long time the other day. Um, he uses an application called Discord, which is originally a gaming application. And it has all these different channels at which we could communicate. Uh, and it, it, it was really, really eye-opening. You know, there's one that's accountability. There's one that's loss. So anytime something's moldy and we're throwing it out, going to take a photo of it, put it in there. So we're all aware of what's being thrown away. Um, and nothing's just getting kind of brushed under the rug. Um, because, you know, the more data we have, the better. Uh, there is so many different categories. Um, like if somebody forgets to clock in correctly, they can put it uh, in one of one of the channels, which is huge for me because I just have people send that uh, that information when I'm running payroll. Mm -hmm. uh, Do you not wear like up to what? clock in and stuff? Say that again. Do you not use Square Up to do clock in? I do use Square for clocking in currently. Um, I still have my staff screenshot their timekeeping uh, for accountability purposes. Uh, I'm about to move, like at my other location, which is not a grocery store, I'm about to start using Toast, which I've been wanting to let you guys know, Toast is going to launch a, re a retail platform, which I am interested in, in looking into. I, I really like Toast versus Square. Uh, and yeah, I'm going to be using Sling for scheduling. Right now I'm scheduling through Square. I love that Square, like I have my employees clock in and clock out through Square and they have the Square Teams app where they can request off, they can change their time if they forgot to clock out. Um, they can switch uh, shifts with one another. 
um, and they can do a bunch of different things. Um, so that's like helped streamline all of that for us. Um, but I also will say as far as like communication with staff, um, Austin, this has not worked well for me, um, but for Austin at the coffee shop, they use WhatsApp, um, which is the same type of thing it sounds like as Discord, um, where you just have different like categories and group chats going on. Um, when Sam showed me Discord, it looked very nerdy and I could not connect to it all, but WhatsApp is very much um, user-friendly for millennials, I feel like, that are not, um, you know, en engineers. <laughs> um, so I like the idea of WhatsApp. Um, I feel like my team is all very uh, not friendly with technology. I don't know why. I think it's just part of like, you know, the grocery type people are kind of crunchy granola and I love them. Um, so what works for us is keeping notebook logs. I have my back of house team keep a production log of everything that they do on the notebook. Um, then I have my front of house team keep a log of everything that they've done and any concerns or things that happened during their shift. Um, that way, the person who comes on next, because it's like people working their shifts solo. And so it allows for everyone to communicate with one another in a non um invasive way um, because I very much try to respect people's work-life boundaries. I'm not looking to text somebody when they're not off work, um, if I can help it. So, um, but the notebook thing, it's so, you know, old school, but, um, but I have an old school team, so it seems to work for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that we can also, there's like in applications like hot schedules, there's sections for ship notes. I was using uh, I had I was using Google Sheets for ship notes for a little while, but I just want something that um, people are going to interact with more frequently yeah. and that we stay consistent with. Yeah, that's that's why we've switched to just the notebooks is because I couldn't get anybody to even open the WhatsApp um, and I didn't want to have text message trains. It's hard getting people to even read the emails that we send out. So um, the notebook seems to work because then they're there on shift. Um, I would love to try to do a digital format. Um, maybe I'll try, you know, working with our iPad that we already have and see if I can get people to type their notes on that. But I don't know. You just kind of have to go with what your team works best with, right? Um, and then slowly start growing them into something different. But the notebook mm -hmm. seems to be the most efficient for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, us too. Um, okay, well, I think that that is a great first call. Um, y'all be thinking about what topics, um, you'd like to bring to the table or, or things that you want to talk about next time. I'll also start, um, I hope you got a lot out of this conversation. There's a lot of notes that were taken and I'm so excited for what we just delved into and the ideas that we have streaming to deal with more things in the future. After this conversation, there's a lot of talk already about different guest panelists that we can have bring to the conversation. We'll be working on adding different people in the industry with maybe more knowledge or know-how or years of experience um, that they can bring to the table in hopes that we can all learn how to be successful in this world of indie grocery.